Good evening, and the Four Blades are back on Zoom, unfortunately not in the pub. And after a couple of disappointing results, really, and on the whole, I'm John, and I'm delighted to be joined by Phil. Good evening. Dan. Good evening, everyone. And Ian. Hello. And uh, I'm going to start with Dan, because uh, Dan's the only one who's not doing something else whilst on camera. Uh, and yeah. so we've obviously yeah. had... Just for, for, for purposes, can we clarify that the other people are doing perfectly natural things and perfectly normal things? There's nothing like brave going on. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not the first Four Blades only fans, uh, you know, but... <laughs> If there is an appetite for that, let us know and we'll crack on. It's Absolutely. nice to start with a laugh because what certainly didn't make me laugh, Dan, was last night I didn't manage to get to the city ground, unfortunately, but I was sat very comfy watching the game. We scored a goal and then we predictably conceded a complete and utter soft one. How did you see the game last night, mate? Pretty much like that. Just wash, rinse, repeat. The same thing we kind of... We knock it about well at times and we hold the ball well um, and we get into the final third and we're pretty toothless because we're lacking some creativity and then sometimes we find a goal which puts us one up and then inevitably we concede from a softball in the box or we don't find a goal that puts us one up and we concede from a soft goal that goes in the box. Uh, so, you know, we either, we either scrape a draw or, or drag a draw out from... from possibly a winning position or we end up losing a game that's, that's kind of fairly nip and tuck. I just, there's, there's, there's issues at both ends for me. Um, I know our XG's pretty good and, and we seem to have scored a lot of goals. We've rattled up 12 of those goals that we've scored this season against Hull, Peterborough and Barnsley. Um, the rest of the time against reasonable sides, we look fairly toothless and we just look spineless every time the ball goes in our box and it's, you're terrified every time even a half decent ball lands in the box and I, I, I genuinely don't answer is whether we try and tighten up at the back or whether we think fuck it and try and score five in every game I don't know something's not working and in the middle of that you've got a midfielder who aren't particularly doing much it's, it's a bit of a bit of a mess to be honest I, I couldn't agree more because like, it sounds like we've automatically started with this like really negative tone. I think it's hard not to with the disappointment. And I think something that we need to unpick, and I'd love to hear what you thought about it, Phil, is you take the last three games, we've obviously won one, drawn one, lost one. But the team selections and the fact that we're not only seeing people come into the side from nowhere, but then others who've played well, dropped from the squad, it stinks to me of a lack of conviction in what we're trying to do and certainly a lack of conviction in the faith in the personnel. I don't know how you see it. I think, yeah, I think you're bang on. We, we haven't, I'm fairly sure we haven't started the same 11 twice. Um, it, it's, it's like Slab's searching for a, a winning formula and he isn't prepared to stick to something that, that seems to go quite well for him. And I think part of the problem is he was let down in, in the transfer window. He wanted to, to get a couple of particular types of players in. He wanted wingers, which is why you're finding Rian Brewster comes in out of nowhere to play on the right wing yesterday because we haven't got anybody else that can do it. He's trying something different. And it just smacks to me of he's desperately just trying to land on something that's going to work because so far it, it just isn't. 
yeah, Dan, like Dan says, at times we play some lovely stuff. It doesn't last very long, but at times it looks really, really nice. What what I'm most frustrated about more than anything else, so many of the goals we concede are avoidable. And like the, the one last night, I mean, I reckon you could count three or four mistakes just to allow that goal to actually get in the box. Then it gets in the box and Graben's on his own. Gets two, all right, he's probably lucky with that first touch because I don't think he meant to do what he did with it. Once he's had that touch, the keeper should be off his line quicker. And ultimately, that goal could have been avoided quite comfortably. Look back to Blackpool on Saturday, a punt downfield from a goalkeeper should never end up in the back of our net, ever. And it, it's just so frustrating that we're making, with, with the masters are our own downfall at the minute. And I think that partly stems from the fact that there's no consistency of selection. Yeah. I, de- I described it yesterday as it's like he's got a bingo machine with all the squad numbers in. And he's lost the Brewster ball down the back of the sofa for a few weeks and he's found it. Unfortunately, he hasn't found the Guadiora ball yet. That's that's missing something. Guadiora not even being in the squad. When we're screaming out for somebody to put the foot in in the middle of midfield. It is considering that it is considering that one of his big targets in the summer was Ronaldo Vieira. Yeah. And that fell through. And then when he was asked in the press conference the other day about what he wants in January, he said two wingers, and I can't remember if he said a defensive or a holding midfielder. So he obviously wants to play with some sort of anchor at the base of midfield, which might actually solve some of our, you know, I mean, the defence are getting a lot of criticism for the soft goals. They're probably not getting a great deal of protection from midfield, are they? Because they're not. They're not getting any protection, really. Norwood's biggest downfalls when people run at him and, and his tackling's horrendous. Fleck just seems nowhere at the moment. So, whilst Last year, I defended um, Ramsdale a lot for getting blamed for goals where the defence, I thought, were making mistakes. The defence are getting stick now, but they've got nobody supporting them in front of them. It's, for me, yeah, and I think there's loads to go into. The Brewster one infuriates, infuriated me last night on a number of levels. Putting him out there, best case scenario, it falls to him in the box and he scores. All right? But the problem with doing that, tactically, is Brewster going to affect the game from that position? It all like is he, he used to playing in that way in the system? Instead, he marked, he moved everybody over, so Gibbs White ends up being being central, and it. I just didn't really. Un, I, I I can't understand the thought process of putting Brewster on the wing. Musa on the wing, you'd argue the pace thing. McBurney dragging people if he'd been thrown out there. Brewster's the only player, a short on confidence striker, who's hardly played any football, and you're trying to get him to come in. Forest away in terms of like, dare I say, derbies. He's one of the bigger, bigger away games. City ground on a Tuesday night, it's hot style atmosphere. It just didn't make any sense to me. And I think that was reflected in the way Brewster had played. Ironically, if he'd if he'd scored the goal at the end, the conversation today is different. But I just I was a bit frustrated by the fact he got he should probably do better with that chance, but White's not helped him out at all. The pass is short. If he'd have played it in front of him and a little bit more conviction with on the ball, I think Brewster runs onto it and hits it a little bit further away from the defender than he ended up being. I think the defender being able to close him down made him take the ball, take the shot the way he did with the side foot. Yes, he should probably not put it straight down the keeper's throat, but I think he's a bit unlucky because of the pass. 
I think everything... If Rob Koslick on the SUTV said he's done everything he shouldn't do there, which I think was quite harsh, but Gibbs White was sort of fouled a little bit, slash was going down, wasn't he, to make it quite difficult for the pass. But I don't know what you lot thought, but I thought the inclusion of Brewster, apart from him wearing a number seven, why is he on the right, right wing? Yeah, it's, I mean, I mean, I, I really like Bruce and I really want it to work for him. And I do feel sorry for him because he's, you know, like you say, if he'd had a run of 12, 15 games playing as a central striker for a team that creates chances and still didn't score, fair enough. But he's not. He's had, a, you know, he's had the odd game here and there for a team that doesn't create. And then he's shoehorned into, I mean, was it Hull where he played left? He, played, he almost played left back at, at points, didn't he, Hull away? He wouldn't have been playing against Hull, though, would he? The only reason he came in was because uh, Berger got injured. Berger got injured in the wall, but he, 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 did, he did end up playing kind of further back. He never gets a chance to... And then kind of almost expecting him to come in and have his eye in straight away. You know, yeah. that, that, that chance yesterday, if that, if that falls to a confident striker who's got four goals in his last five games, it's a completely different finish, but he's that desperate. He's snatching at things. And I, and I feel like I'm defending him and... I think he does need defending. Don't worry, he's not. Don't, don't get me wrong. He's not set the world on fire since he's been here, and he's not even close to justifying his fate. But I'm not sure he's had a. I'm not sure he's had a fair crack of the whip, to be honest. That, that's the point Carlos Arba made last night as well. I, it, I can't remember what I was listening to. It maybe before I'm saying, you know, you've got to hope he plays down the middle. Play him down the middle. Give him a chance. He's a striker who needs confidence. He's a young guy. You've got to give him a chance. Because if you're not going to give him a chance now, when are you going to give him a chance? He even had the opportunity to do it during the game when he took Moussa off. Yeah, yeah. and that, that's yeah, that's it. Yeah, up front. It just it, that, that's know. your chance when you take Moussa off. You just move Brewster across. I mean, so what did Moussa last last night? Seven was it seventy minutes last night? Sixty-five-ish, I think. Sixty-five. I mean, I mean, obviously everyone knows my thoughts on Moose, and he's you know he's done well in relative terms to to, to play an hour on in three or four games on the trot, but. Kind of arts in your mouth all the time at the minute. It's yeah, I kind of likened it yesterday to you know that scene in Jaws where the guys get pulled into the water on the jetty and they're swimming back to shore, and you kind of know that and you think you kind of watch it with your fingers covering your eyes because you know any second now something terrible is gonna happen. And that's what it's like when you watch him sprint for a ball. You kind of yeah. just open he gets to where he's going with his limbs intact. And it's kind of but he's he's like that all over the pitch. It's scary. You've got a striker who is going to pull up injured. You've got a goalkeeper who's rooted to his line, doesn't doesn't command his box. You've got a defence that can get turned on a sixpence by a simple ball over the top. You know, we've, it's not just against Blackpool we saw that. We've seen it in other games, haven't we? Yeah. yeah. That just, ball over the top, whoever plays there. I've got a, uh, to go back to Booster because I just can't let it go. Uh, is this is a quote from Yukanovich. This is absolutely mental. Rian is not a wide player. Rian Brewster is a striker, and we try to adapt him, working with him. Today he played well, he showed quality, and he's working really hard. That sounds like the spiel a minister would give when they're about to give someone the knife and kick him out of cabinet because they aren't, they're like, oh, yeah, he's really good at his job, but he's not. Honestly, I just don't understand. I don't understand Yukanovich anyway. Going back to one of Phil's points and previous part, I don't. I really struggle to understand the point he's making. Sometimes he's not a wide player, but we're working with him. He's not. A, but then, what? 
when Ndai came on, why didn't Brewster go through the middle? Why did they have to piss about doing like the swapping of the positions when, oh, put the natural striker up front? I don't yeah. know. But again, it just smacks of desperation that he doesn't know he doesn't know his players well enough. I think he probably knows the players well enough. I think he but I think he doesn't and I've had this I've had this kind of conversation slash argument with people on Twitter where they're saying he should revert to a back three and he should he should play he should basically build a system around the players he's got until he gets the players in he wants. But I'm not sure that's that's the right way to do it because then he's he's going against his own his own beliefs and his own experience. He's then got to approach a system that he's not familiar in. And then in January, if he does get a couple of wingers in, you're almost starting again and saying, right, lads, I know we've played 3-5-2 for half a season, but with no pre-season, we're going straight, we're going back into a 4 well, 3 He has actually addressed that himself in interviews. Whilst I, I do find it difficult listening to what he says, he, he heard something on Saturday when he said about trusting the process. And just because yeah. we lost the game, the process can't stop. The process has got to go on because he knows the process works and you can't argue with him. His process yeah. does work. He just hasn't got the people to do the process at the moment. The thing is, it would, I mean, the other thing is, would really swap him to 352? Is that like a panacea for all our problems at the minute? Because I don't particularly think it is. We've not, we've got wing backs wouldn't particularly give us, so that, that takes all your width away unless your wing backs are good going forward. We know that Baldock isn't. Norrington Davison didn't look particularly good going forward around the season. I think Stevens has probably done. You know, he, he seems to be shot, to be honest. Bogle, possibly. So again, but, where's your creative? Where's your creativity coming from? Coming from you, you possibly show things up at the back, but then all your creativity goes up the top end of the pitch. And in that whole point about the wing backs, he's valid. I mean, Bogle comes in last night, and people are pleased to see Bogle in. From what I was, some of the comments I was reading, but he offered us nothing. Yeah, he had the shot, but actually, we went when it went down the right. There wasn't much there when he did. A lot of our play came down the left. And it was wasted by Stevens in good positions, or you know, an over it ball from Osborne, who again square pegging around. Oh, I think Stevens. Osborne was abysmal last night. Osborne was abysmal last night. Osborne's in that position by virtue of having a left foot. There is yeah. no other reason that he's in that position. I I I, I saw it to a Forest fan at work today, Forest City Holder, and he said, "Oh, I thought Osborne had a good game last night," and I said, "Well, it's a low bar then." I know, I know we've only given you a fifth home point of the season last night, but, you know, he just got muscled off the ball. He, he, his touch wasn't great. It, yeah, it, like you say, we're just, we're just putting players in positions, ostensibly, you know. I, I, I just, I, I got, I went around and watched it with my dad last night and I, I sat there with him and he was muttering away and mumbling to the extent I couldn't tell what he was saying because he just mumbles at mumbles at the TV. But I was just in kind of stunned silence. There was no anticipation. There was no excitement when we had the ball because with the odd exception of the goal and that then the, the advance by Gibbs White when Brewster ends up getting played in, did we really have any forward momentum at any point? A brief, you know bit of forward sharp interplay that had a you know had some f forward momentum with it. No. I don't think we did. No. And I mean in fairness to Osborne, if we're if we're if we're defending Brewster for being played out of position, 
we've kind of got to afford Osborne the same courtesy and say that he's not playing a position that he's naturally built for. You know, he's, he's a central midfielder, but that still doesn't mean that you can't say he doesn't offer it doesn't offer us anything either because he doesn't really. And and we need to like crying out loud the idea of having these. You know, oh, he gives hundred percent first name on the team sheet for me. Oh, you'd want to go into battle with Ben. Like Ben Osborne sound is a great, great lad. And he's done he, for United, he'll always be fondly remembered. He tries. But he, like you say, he's so limited. And when we've got the when we've got absolutely zero penetration, seeing him cut it back, or indeed little pockets of play that are promising, get to him and he can't beat a man. And he's playing in a front three. He's just not good enough. And there were Stevens, particularly second half, was shit. But like there was there, there was balls that Stevens was playing down the line, and Osborne were just nowhere to be seen. And the and the space behind Forrest right back was there to expose because he was more interested in getting 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 past Stevens at the other end as he did yeah. a couple times. And we had a bit of a disagreement actually in our group chat, didn't we? Because I said what I found interesting is we dominated the first half. But Forrest hardly had any chances. Yet when they were around the box, they actually looked dangerous compared to us. Working it into the box and then all of a sudden just coming to nothing. I I was more worried. And maybe that's a reflection on our feelings about our defence. And actually, despite that, I would say I thought Basham had a good game last night. Yeah, in a, in a breaking up play in an attacking sense and bring, it actually gave us some forward momentum at times, bringing the ball out from the back when we haven't had that because everyone's passing it sideways. But it at least changed, bringing the ball out gave us different options. But but I think that, that comment you made, Jarvis, I agree with you because I think it's because our defence is so wishy-washy that any team that shows a degree of positive intent in and around the box... We're warriors, whoever they are, because we've got a mistake in us, more than one mistake in us. We've, we've got a, a momentary lapse of concentration. We've got a, a mishit clearance, whatever it may be. We've got a, a keeper who don't come off the line to collect it in his six-yard box. I think it's and, that. And that's, that's it's momentary lapses of concentration, but I think it's also an unwillingness to do the, to do the, the ugly stuff. So, yeah. so going, back, going back to Saturday's game, Richard Keogh, we've all kind of laughed at Richard Keogh's antics over the years. He's become a bit of a figure of fun. Looks like a permanently surprised heroin addict. But on Saturday, he did everything that our centre-halves don't. He threw himself into tackles. He threw himself into blocks. He threw, you know, he won his headers. He did the ugly stuff. We, we've, defended- said, we've said over, over the last few years, how's he getting in the Ireland squad above Egan? Well, he showed it on Saturday. Because he's a defender that just wants to defend. Wants to defend. Wants to defend. He, he didn't. He didn't give a fuck that when he's made the tackle. If he, you know, if the ball goes forty yards that way, goes out of play, whatever. He's not interested in what happens after. He just wants to defend, and he, he you know, he obviously gets a buzz out of it. And, and I think that's what we're lacking at the minute. And I've said it all season. We're lacking a, a defender's defender, an actual defender who just wants to defend. A Morgan type. Yeah. And all right, Chris Morgan probably wouldn't fit into this side because he wasn't he's not wasn't good enough on the ball to do what to do what our defend what, what Slav wants our defenders to do. But you've got to earn that right. You've got to 
but who earn the right to, to look good on the ball and come strolling out with it and ping 40, 50 yard passes by doing the bread and butter stuff first. And there's very few examples of these top class defenders, you know, even, you know, your Rio Ferdinand, your Ledley Kings, your John Terry's. Yes, they look good on the ball and they could stroll about. But first and foremost, they were good defenders. They knew and, how and to read the game. And, and, and that, that works in another way as well, because I thought the other player who did his job so well for Blackpool on Saturday was Medine. And he bullied our defenders. He pulled them around. He won the physical battle. He won the ball in the air. And and we, you know, Chris Morgan, I'm with you, Chris Morgan, but Chris Morgan on that side doesn't lose that battle. We're just soft defensively. We're, we're, we've got footballing defenders who are probably, like you say, better footballers than they are defenders. I think we're a soft team. All over the pitch, I think we're a soft side. Even McBurney, six foot two, loves UFC, comes on the pitch and he doesn't strike you as a, a, a centre-half's nightmare, does he? It's not like lobbing Wayne Allison on, is it? No. I mean, and I mean that all, in all seriousness. When Allison came no. on, you know, under Warnock for the last 10 minutes, you knew he was going to... Was going to dish it about, dish it out. Was going to batter centre halves around. He was going to win headers. Never really saw that from McBurney on Saturday, did you? It, it was it was such an ineffective substitution. We're chasing a game, and fair enough. We were we were just inept from the moment they scored. There was just no. We were like puppies chasing a ball all in the same space, you know, hanging around for little one-two touches around the box. We, we lost we lost an idea of just simplifying what we do. And trying to get a shot and goal. There was a there was a bit on Saturday near the end of the game where there was four of our players. You could you could chuck a a bucket over them. They were that close together. They must yeah. have been five yards of each other. Four. It, of them. Like, it was like watching the it was like watching the fucking Cubs play. You know when you yeah. watch little kids play football and they all just chase the ball around the pitch and they're all yeah. within like they're ten foot of each other because that's where the ball is. That's what it was like for a period on Saturday. At that, that moment, that it was really frustrating for me because I thought at times we played some lovely stuff, we really did, and then to let the go, let the game go the way we did is is embarrassing. But I thought I thought this sort of it took us a while to get going. I thought a 10, 15 minutes up to half time, I agree, and the probably 10, 10 minutes or so afterwards, and we obviously should we should have scored in that period, you know, Moose and Die um, had great chances. Yeah. To put us one up, the keeper pulled off a fantastic save. Um, so yeah, we we were unlucky to a degree, but uh, just I don't know, just the 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 we've talked before about a lack of confidence in a, a team that's got a negative mindset because of what's gone before. But the the, the shift on the from the goal, well before the goal to what happened after the goal, it. it it was just completely opposite ends of a spectrum. It, it was 10 minutes before the goal as well, wasn't it? Mm. Uh, our heads didn't drop the minute they scored. Our heads dropped the minute they realised things weren't necessarily going their way and they'd created loads of chances and not done anything for it. I don't know what they did, but Blackpool tweaked something. They mustered them because they nullified us for 10 minutes or so. Whether it just kept hold of the ball or something like that, they stopped us doing what we were doing and our heads went completely. And then once the goal went in, there was only ever going to be one winner. But as a manager, then, how do you address that? How, how do you address that mentality piece? Of, 
I think you have to, it, it comes, you can only address it if you're able to communicate with the people who are primarily responsible for stopping that happening. And that is your, your defensive players. And, well, the entire team, you defend from the front if you're going to defend properly. But let, let's take it, let's say the, the back four. Apart from Davis, you've got Egan, Stevens, and Baldock there. Obviously, it's changed up last night. They, they've all probably got such a loser, lack of confidence mentality after the last 18 months. That you could, you, like Dan said before, Stevens is done. I've, I've been on here and I've defended Ender Lode saying he needs, we need to give him time. They just, I think you just need to, we need to replace players. That's the only way you can do anything about it. But it, it's, it's startling how many players need replacing. I, I'm, I'm a little bit gobsmacked by how many look like they need replacing. It's almost every one of them. With, with the defence, if, if you get to January and we've got no chance of the playoffs, you've got to pull the trigger on some of the youngsters because there'd be much more value in us finishing 20th and a load of them getting 15, 20 games at this level. That's what that's how you do a transition season. Then what like what we're gonna do now is have these people stumble to like 18 months ago, we were talking about John Egan being worth 30 million quid. Yeah. Like, th- like the mentality is shot. That's the only explanation for the way we can see goals. And obviously, they don't have faith in the goalie, but even if you had Dean Henderson in there, Aaron Ramsdale in there, it's, I don't think it's very. I don't think it'd be any different. I still think we'd be shipping goals for fun, and I think it comes down to mentality. And you talk, I don't think the manager probably, in his style, is the one to fix that. I don't know what you all think. I think he can, but I think it's a bigger job than we thought it was at the beginning of the season. I mean, I mean, like fixing the mentality in the in in in, in the players, Dan. Like rather than you know, I think he could get it right given time, but I don't know. Uh, for me, for me, it's a difficult one. The mentality of the players, like you say, is he the right motivator? I'm trying to think back to where Fulham and, and Watford were when he took over there, and you know, I, I, I haven't got it to hand, but it'd be interesting to think about you know what what kind of position were they in when he came in um you know were they trying to back on if they were trying to bounce back even it's you you raise it, it's a good question and i'm not sure the answer but it does it is he effective at getting his message across you know you can say he's a good tactician you might question that in a minute because he's, he's not finding the answer to what we need but equally is he is he good at lifting players who uh, really, on the cusp of, I'm not saying this stronger word, ruining the careers, but, you know, undoing so much of the um, status they built for themselves in I, recent years. I think some players have already damaged that beyond repair. Yeah. I mean, he, the thing is, he's, he's got previous. This is not a, you know, a novice manager. He's obviously he's done it with Fulham. He's done it with Watford. So... Not like he's a novice manager where we're saying he's got no he's got no frame of reference for being for being in this position. Um, 
like Phil said earlier on, it's it's trusting the process. But the big question is how long do a the fans trust the process? And I would venture not much longer with the kind of rumblings you could hear on Saturday at the lane and the things you're starting to see on social media. And obviously on the back of that comes how long do the board trust the process? That that's the thing. I think I think we've got to because otherwise we'd go back to you know changing managers every. 12 months, which, we, which we've done before, and that just leads to, that's just a recipe for disaster. But I think... I, I, obviously, I'm nervous about it. You, you're right. I think the issue, the issue as well is the, the, the mood of the fans is shifting. You, we read and hear stuff of what went off in the away and last, last night at Forest. There's people just looking, starting on each other. Um, you know, what, what the most fans looked at as Saturday as a you know, a nice, cheap, fantastic, big following away day could actually be something quite the opposite. Yeah, it could be toxic, couldn't it? Yeah. I think one of the things you say there, Dan, is how long do the board trust the process for? How long does he trust it for before he says, I've had enough of this? Yeah, that's yeah, that's the other thing. I think I think there's a, you know, there's, there's a feeling that he's possibly been, the squad was oversold to him when he came in. Um, and he's now realising, like I say, he's taken over a, a squad of players whose whose best days are behind him. Um, there's not many. I can't think of one player who is even as good as, certainly not better, than they were the last time we were down here. But he's, he's obviously he's taken over a squad of players who were on the slide, and it's possibly a bigger job than, than he thought it was. Um, and like I say, I think a lot will depend on whether he gets backed in January. If we have another transfer window where we don't get the players he wants in for whatever reason, then, you know, then possibly he starts to uh, he starts to reconsider. I mean, I fancy a drink. I don't know about anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I knew it might be a bit. You know, this was never going to be particularly upbeat, were it? You know, we're, we're kind of. I just think, I think it's quite, I think we're going to talk about it next, aren't we? But like, I think if you go back to that first pod we did this season, the optimism we all shared, I think we all said first or second in the league. I just think, I mean, there might be a miracle, but that's what it'll take. And I think maybe it's a good opportunity to take a break break now and, talk ourselves down and then come back and look forward to the Blackburn match. Obviously talk about the uh, Chilean superstar a little bit and reflect on the first third of the And welcome back to part two of this week's Four Blazing Pub. Not in the pub. Um, after, well, debatable how downbeat we were in that first half, we were debating it in between sections. But let's try and look forward, uh, if we can, to a trip to Ewood Park on Saturday um, with a strong blaze following um, after the is it 146th anniversary of Blackburn. So tickets were £14.60. So um, there was a clamour for tickets. I, I, I can't be there because I'm actually a, a gig that night, so I can't get over to Blackburn. But um, 
what are we thinking, boys? What, can can we look forward with a degree of optimism? I think no. <laughs> End of section. Thanks. I'll see you next week. Cheers. All the blades. <laughs> Um, I, if you can see this team turning one round and pulling a result out of the bag that you wouldn't expect because you know we've got to score twice to win the game you also don't yeah. lose the bloody play but you can't really talk about it with any sort of strength and conviction of how you go about the game um, I think the only thing that could work in United's favour let's try and I've had a cup of positive juice um, weird phase um, would be Blackburn are quite attacking, aren't they? Score a lot of yeah. goals, concede a lot of goals. A bit like us. So get both teams to score and you could I mean get both teams to score on your bet every single week when United are playing. I think it's happened more times than it's not, hasn't it? But like I think there's a very good chance we can score goals in the game, but we'll almost certainly concede them. And Phil, um you're gonna talk a little bit about uh Blackburn's latest superstar. Yeah, I'm just a little bit confused. How come Ben Brereton was shit and Brent Brereton Diaz seems to be a world beater? Was he on 14 goals this season so far? Yeah. yeah. Since he's gone to Chile and become a Chilean international, he seems to have uh, become something that he wasn't previously. Just a bit of an oddity, isn't it? Not to give too much away, but if you're a Patreon under the Kosh subscriber... Um, Danny Graham tells a story about Brett Berriton on a Christmas do where they'd, I'm not saying he's stupid, but they told him that everyone was going out in white, a white suit and cowboy boots. Uh, and everyone in the squad was in on the joke and Brett Berriton came down <laughs> in the hotel in a white suit and white cowboy boots for the Christmas do. So I'm not suggesting for a minute he's a member of Mensa, but yeah, he's been on fire. If he, and he's scoring like braces in hat tricks and stuff, isn't he? Scoring loads. I wonder if it's a way that we get out of our uh, out of our slump. That we give all our players Hispanic names, so we we suddenly on Saturday we have Ollie McBurney Salgado up front and Rian Brewster Raúl up front, or. Raul Brewster and Oliviera up McBurney leaving the line. Whatever we need to do. Whatever we need to do. Even if that's Oli Burkinio. <laughs> oh, God. Well, they tried to sign him, didn't they, Blackburn? It, it was apparently close to happening or something. Yeah. Then he obviously probably opened his Instagram and was like, good God, no. Is he auditioning for The Matrix this week? <laughs> he did look like Morpheus, didn't he? The, I did like the know? comment that someone said because of the big uh, rings things down the side, but like he'd taken his pair of curtains down and fashioned a coat out of them. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, all these expensive shit clothes that he's wearing will be very handy because he's not going to get a contract anywhere else when he leaves off. It's fucking shite. Um, I don't know, he'll be back in the squad soon. Because, well, he might end up playing it he might end up playing it net on Saturday. You never know with Slav at the minute. He'll just put someone in, in a random position and then probably do an interview saying that, yeah, he's not a goalkeeper, but we've, we're working with him and he's playing there. Um, <laughs> Blackburn, Blackburn's a, strange, Blackburn's a strange club. I've got some very fond memories, Ian, of last time we went together in the car. Indeed. I mean, that was very, very funny. Uh, 
a bit of light humour. Me and Ian were walking across the road from McDonald's where he'd had a nutritious tea, and this bloke yelled past us, Oi, I can hear you, I can hear you, calling, calling me a nonce. Just we were in the crossfire of this conversation, and that lad told me to fuck off in McDonald's for no reason when he asked to us. Oh, that, he was about that eight year old. Eight year old. <laughs> Are you Sheffield United? Yeah, fuck off. I didn't, I, and, I, and this will come as a surprise to you all. I was short of words. I didn't know what to say. Um, but yeah. So, Blackburn. Uh, best bit was the way home, John, though, when we had Talk Sport on and they were advertising Talk Sport singles. Absolutely. I'm yeah. to work out what kind of women register for blokes on Talk Sport singles. Yeah, every man who registers is dreaming of law rewards and ends up with, a, I don't know, an Alan Brazil. In, in drag, <laughs> um, Alan Brazilian, but um, for a Brazilian, not an Alan Brazilian, yeah. But well, we've injected a little bit of nonsense there. But like Blackburn's Blackburn is an opportunity to get a win, but then the only problem is, well, it's not a problem, three points are always good. We're straight into an international break, so with a Chilean superstar up front, and You've got Ronnie Pickering at fullback, haven't they? I mean, Luke Pickering. They've got they've got some good players and they're having a reasonable season back then. But then you think that and then you look at the table and I don't think they're much better off than we are. Or am I? I think that, and that's the thing. The table's much of a muchness. You've got, you've got three, two outstanding sides and one very good side at the top. You've got three really poor sides. Sorry, Three really poor sides plus Derby in the bottom four because of the obviously because of their points deduction. Everyone else, there's nothing between them from what I've seen. There's absolutely nothing between them. Not going to take much of a run for anybody to get into the playoffs, is it? No. Well, they're getting smacked uh, as we record it. They're two 0 down to Fulham after twenty minutes. Back there. How many has Mitrovic got? Just one. They're oh, okay. But why well, well, that's that's not them? Before Saturday, we were before Saturday we were th- we were three points off the playoffs. Yeah, and last night we drew a match and I think we moved up two places. You know, it's it is so tight. It is you know. I mean, it is. A, I know. I listened to to Blade's pod today while I was out with the dog, um, uh, and uh, I think Andrew was saying he, he thinks it's a poor division, and I'm 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 inclined to agree with him. Like you said, you know, you've got Fulham and Bournemouth who seem to be romping it. Even West Brom, they're not a great side, are they? They're just effective. They're a big, effective side. Other than that, I don't think there's anything that you kind of look at and go, oh, they're a right side. You've got some individual players, like you said, like your Brerettons and stuff like that. But other than that, there's probably, there's probably clubs looking at our players and, and going, oh, he's a good player, he's a good player. But that first fun at work today saying, can't believe you've given us Max Lowe. It's brilliant. We've got plenty more where he came from, boys. Get your checkbook <laughs> out. You can in have- all seriousness, in all seriousness, oh. like we've said, Stevens is Stevens is possibly shot. Norrington Davis doesn't look like someone who's you know a regular, decent performer at championship level. Is there a case for recalling him in January? He's got some confidence. Well. He needs to come. He needs to come back at some point. So he's got another three years on his contract. 
on 40 grand a week or whatever it is he's rumoured to be. I think you're right, Dan. I think he, he, he came into the side in a difficult situation last year. And because Stevens was still a fan's favourite, everybody wanted him back as soon as he was fit, probably rightly so. Stevens was abysmal for the back half of last season, but didn't get half as much criticism as what Max Lowe did for the first half. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was, in, he was interspersed with Keen Bryan as well. How many games has Keen Bryan played for us, Bob, actually? This is quite... This must be quite well, the third at league, so I'm going to guess at none. It was on the bench the other day, but I don't think he's actually started a game. The idea that we... Uh, the idea that he sort of... Um, that he sort of held us to ransom is quite amusing. God, Wikipedia. He's, he's had played one game. On Google, underneath the picture of Keen Bryan, it said, what happened, Keen Bryan? Not what happened to Keen Bryan, just like what happened to Keen Bryan. Interesting. Which is pretty much what everyone says to him every time he defends, every time he does anything on a football pitch. <laughs> what happened, Keen Bryan? Yeah. Um, I think... Legend. Scored at Old Trafford. So did Ollie Burke. <laughs> exactly. Blake's I mean, that, I mean, that's got to I mean that's going to be a that's that's going to be some sort of quiz question later on. It. Who are the worst two players ever to score in a single game in a win at Old Trafford? It's giving Freddie McTominay a run for the money. You're looking at. I mean, so every every so often that that little kind of two minute montage of uh, original Ronaldo. Tearing Man United apart at Old Trafford for Real Madrid comes up when he scored a hat trick. You look at that, that's a game they lost, and everyone goes, fuck it. And then you look at the opposite end of the spectrum, that pair of fucking helmets scoring <laughs> in a win at Old Trafford. It's it's a funny old game, but to, with Blackburn on Saturday, United could win and they could, but we could easily lose. Who's going to put the money where the mouth is? I think we'll lose. 3-1 Blackburn. 2-1 Blackburn. 2-0 Blackburn. Clean sweep, John? Um, I mean, I'm not I'm not going. Um, I'm going to watch New Order at the O2, which will guarantee to be actually enjoyable, whereas if I spent four or five hours travelling up from London all the way to Blackburn and back, I think I'd be definitely miserable. And because I'm not going, and because for whatever reason I had that cup of positive juice, I think we will win 2-1. And I'm even going to say someone someone like Bernie or Brewster will score. I feel like I've said that every week for the last 18 months. But who knows? You never know. Brewster will start. (laughs) That's what'll happen. (laughs) Or Burke might come in and actually, amongst all the fashion... He's uh, actually been having some extra training and he tears the game apart and scores a hat-trick. I'd like it if Oli Burke was stood at the side of you at New Order on uh, O2 in one, of his, uh, in one of his Zoolander slash Matrix outfits. Zoolander. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I'll let you know next time we get together on here if Oli Burke's done. I think, lads, we need a light-hearted end. We'll be back in a minute for a Hall of Fame. Knee trainers, John. What these? No, mate, I've had them for years. Just got them back from being cleaned. Look really good, don't they? Yeah, really? Is that a thing? Honestly, they look new, mate. They look class. Yeah, it's a thing. Really reasonable, too. I've done at this place called Glistening Kicks. They're in Sheffield. But fellas are blade, too. Oh, nice one. That says buying new ones, doesn't it? How do I find them? I've got a few pairs need looking at myself. 
Absolutely. Save, save me as someone who's got a bit of a trader page. An absolute fortune. You can get them on social media like most things these days. They're on Twitter at Glistening Kicks and Instagram at Glistening underscore Kicks. Or they have a website, www.glisteningkicks.co.uk. Give them a shout. The process is dead easy. They collect them safely and then drop them back off with you. And if you take them around yourself, that process could be even quicker. Um, they look, feel, and smell like new, and it's. I'm, I'm absolutely chuffed, and I'm already looking at what pairs I'm going to take down um, next to have him look out for us. Nice one. Cheers for that. I'm going to get on to them straight away. What was their Insta again? At glistening underscore kicks. That's the one. Really good service, and I couldn't recommend it enough to any blades. Brilliant. All right, welcome back, part three. We'll have a bit of fun, seeing as we've been a little bit dour for the the last hour or so with the pod. We're going to go and uh, go back to one of our usual features, the Hall of Fame. I've absolutely no idea who won the last one, so I've nominated myself to 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 call this one out. So uh, I know I've been told I've got to go to one of you last, so I'll uh, I'll not pick on you, Dan. I'll go to you first, John. What have you got for (laughs) your Hall of Fame? Uh, So it's um, in a time of no centre-backs, uh, that like to defend. We're going to go, well, not where, I'm going to go for a specific goal that happened at the City ground involving a centre-back who very much um, liked to defend. And it was when, I think it was in the FA Cup, one of the very few times we've won at Forest, it was when Morgan scored an overhead kick. I think we won 3-1. I went that day, freezing cold, like January or February. I can't remember if it was third or fourth round. And it always just reminded me, and I remember, I love the look on Morgan's face when it went in because it was pure. I've just got an overhead kick. What the fuck has happened here? How's that gone in? And it and it's just it's great. It's a great goal. Sums up Morgan um, in no way whatsoever, actually, because he didn't score many, and he certainly didn't score many overhead kicks. But it was a it was a great goal. Fondly remember it, and I just thought, you know. We don't tend to do too well at Forest, but I've got some very fond memories of going there, and that's amongst um, amongst my most fond. I've seen I've seen us get some good results at Forest over the years. In midnight, early to mid nineties, we did, didn't we? I don't think yeah. Many, I don't think we've had many since. We had we had obviously we, we obviously we won Cluffy's last ever game. Mm. Um, we had obviously the game where John Gannon scored from about thirty five yards with his right foot. Mike Lake spanked Mike Lake spanked one of his uh, one of his specials in a City Ground in a four two five two win. Five same, same game, I think, wasn't it? I think, oh. I think friend of the pod Brad has scored in that one as well. It was it was um it was a great goal though, that overhead kick. And yeah. I thought it was a perfect one, uh, perfect one to do. So there no, we go. We don't get many goals in the Hall of Fame, so I like that. That's quite. It's a good little tip of the hat to to someone who we could do with at the minute as well, or at least his leadership skills, couldn't we? No, I'll take his goal scoring. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> go on, the Neil. What have you got? What's your Hall of Fame nomination? Well, it's there's, there's a certain little video clip that does the rounds from the various football banter accounts every now and then. Um, that uh, features United. It features friend of the pod, Paul McDonald. And it's a clip that guarantees to make me smile every time I see it. And it's the kind of clip you just watch on repeat 
and you think, how many times have I wanted to do that? Now, have I wanted to do what he did to my own dad? Probably not, but still. Um, for those of you who haven't seen it, and we'll, we'll tweet a, a link out to it um, off the back of this pod when we tweet well, that, the pod. That, that'll make him happy. <laughs> and, uh, we've got to keep it in circulation. Um, it, it's a clip, uh, a sky clip. Was it the Palace game, I think? Yeah, well, yeah. under Robson. Under Robson. You've got a shot of Brian Robson looking slightly... Pissed. I would say hungover, potentially, on the touchline, but very... Very cheesed off, not looking happy, looking a bit, looking a bit doer, and then it pans to the crowd shot, and uh, Mr. McDonald Senior has clearly said something that's finally tipped young Paul over the edge, and from standing behind him, grabs all of his hat and just pulls it down over the top of his head with such <laughs> venom and force. It's the look on his face. It's the look on his face that does me. Yeah. You can almost hear him say, have that, as he does it's it. The li- it's, it's the little mutter under his breath where he kind of pulls yeah. that and he sits down, he kind of aggressively folds his arms and you can almost read his lips that say, you can almost see the last two words are, the fuck up. As in, <laughs> it's like, if you watch it really closely, it's like, shut the fuck up. Do you read, so can Paul, and you'll listen to this, I hope, and I hope he remembers this, do you remember, I think it was the FA Cup game where we sat behind Lego Ed and that on the touchline. Yes. Yeah. And Macca's dad had forgot his season forgotten his ticket. ticket. <laughs> and he came in about 25 minutes later and he just took this really like sharp jaw of breath like, how long have you been coming down here? <laughs> and then just... And just said, and he turned, and he, and then he turned to us. He goes, and before you nod, start, don't you say anything to yeah, me? Yeah, it was basically no one say a fucking word. <laughs> just saying to his dad, like, oh, you mean coming down here? And obviously, it was one of them where he had his season card, um, season card uh, activated. But yeah, he, he keeps like knocking up, done it on like the um, EFL zone, not yeah. in the top like seventy-two funniest football moments. This Sheffield United fan had had too much of Brian Robson. <laughs> but, like, it's very funny. And the fact, I mean, it, it's a legendary clip, but it's made even more legendary because we know him. And we yeah. know that it's his dad that he does it to as well. Yeah. yeah and he's sat there as well. Looking very composed. <laughs> um, so, yeah, M- Macca is one of life's true greats. And uh, it, it's always good when he's been on the pod before. Some of the quizzes he did during lockdown particularly were outstanding. So it's it's always good to mention that. And I honestly I think it's almost automatic entry stuff that. It's it's stuff of legend. Definitely. Even though we might not like it. Oh no, that's why it's stuff of legend. The fact he hates it and it annoys him every time someone tags in it, it just adds to the fun. <laughs> Brilliant. I love it. Dan, have you got one yet? Yeah, so it's, it's 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 more of a kind of story, but someone's face at the end of it. So I'll, I'll kind of start at the beginning. So kind of 15 years ago, when my wife was pregnant with our, our eldest, uh, obviously you go to antenatal classes. So we turned up at antenatal classes at, at Jessup's. And in the class, um, playing for United at the time was Paul Eiffel and his wife. He was heavily pregnant. So we did, we did antenatal classes with him every week. Um, to know him reasonably well 
Um, and then one, one week we turned up, United were playing away, and I'm, I think it was Derby. I think we were playing away at Derby. So I was there with my missus. His missus was there on her own. Obviously, he was, he was playing for United at Derby. And as we've got out, we kind of got in the car, got Radio Sheffield, listened to the commentary. We're kind of driving up Becky Road. And just as we got to the kind of top of Banner Cross, there was a, a kind of scuffle on the pitch. And I think, I think Eiffel had been, he'd been having a row with their left back and their coaching staff had got involved and there was a whole big ruckus. We're driving kind of at the side of his missus. So we get to the traffic lights where the, um, where the pub is on the corner. Um, uh, what is it? Prince of Wales. Prince of Wales. Prince of Wales. So we're parked at these lights and it says, and Paul Eiffel's been substituted off and he's, he's, he's heading down the tunnel. Oh, and, and a member of the Derby County coaching staff's gone after him. Oh, and it looks like there's a fight in the tunnel. And it's all, and we <coughs> kind of looked across at her and she's in the car and she's obviously got Radio Sheffield on and her eyes are kind of on stalks and she's just got this terrified look on her face because she can hear her husband having the shit kicked out of him on Radio <laughs> Sheffield and not being able to do anything about it. So I know it's obviously it's not kind of directly related to United, but it's, it's the look of terror on Paul Eiffel's missus's face. Aaron husband get a Aaron husband getting a shellacking on Radio Sheffield. <laughs> Fantastic! That's a brilliant story. I love the idea of you and Eiffel being baby buddies, Dan. I think it's ace. His uh, daughter was so his his daughter was born. The day after after mine, so my, my daughter was born the first of April, and we were we were in there, and his missus had just started in labour, and he was in there, and he was just getting on the coach to. I've got a feeling we were away at Stoke. I've got a feeling we played at Stoke, and he said they've told me she's all right, so I'm going to go and play and come straight back. Um, and his daughter was born, I think, the day after mine, so his daughter's birthday is like the second of April, um, and I think my missus and his missus. Kind of did the you know walking through the park with the babies a couple of times after, but yeah. So my miss, I think it was Stoke on the first of April we played because the first thing I asked after my daughter had been born by cesarean, the surgeon said, um, "Has anyone got any questions?" I went, "Yeah, does anyone know the blades have gone on?" Because she was born at like half oh, past five, and the look on my missus's face was a little bit priceless. Can, little, can we go for the can we can we go for the look on Mrs. Atkins' face then rather than that, the, yeah, uh, that, that, the look on my Mrs. face when I asked not you know how long for recovery is everything okay have the blades gone on uh, the look on her face was uh, if looks could kill I don't think I'd be sitting here recording this pod with you lot now so Brilliant. so Dan can we do you reckon we could use these uh, links to contact Mr. Rifle on Twitter uh, yeah possibly yeah certainly yeah if we can get him on from New Zealand it'll be a, it'll yeah. be a late one for one. It'd be a late one for one of us. <laughs> not us, not us then. Yeah, yeah, not us. <laughs> Been early. Yeah, that's, that's my nomination. I know it's not technically. I know it's not technically United, but yeah, just the, the look on his on his missus's face, listening to her husband getting beaten up in the tunnel. Brilliant, brilliant. I love the I love I love the personal nature of that. And we it's we can only imagine. The best, I think these are the best ones we've had for ages. Phil, don't spoil it. <laughs> just while we're on the on the baby subject, by the way, can I just uh, formally congratulate you, John? Uh, John told us and announced that his girlfriend's pregnant and they're going to be having a baby soon. So congratulations, pal! Oh, congratulations, mate! Uh, got to have the discussion with the father-in-law to be about whether it's going to support the baby that is Liverpool or Sheffield United. 
So uh, that should be a good discussion. Hopefully, Sheffield United, otherwise, Dan will never speak to my child ever. <laughs> no, yeah, no, congratulations, mate. I think if we're, if we're doing the, the statistics on that, your XP number, expected pregnancy number, sex once, one, one pregnancy. Congratulations, mate. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Um, I'm, I've got nothing to say. <laughs> That's brilliant. I'm just embarrassed now. I'm not. <laughs> I do know. Yeah, um, it's, uh, it, exciting times, exciting times, and although I'm not getting, not, not not getting to as many games, that is is it's it's good, and I'm excited. But Phil, I'm excited about becoming a father for the first time, but I'm also very very excited to hear your nomination for the whole. Well, hopefully you're not quite as underwhelmed as you might be with my uh, nomination as you do as becoming a father. <laughs> my, my nomination's a player. Um, we don't get play. We don't nominate players that often. But I'm going back to my sort of early year, early-ish years watching watching United growing up when I was still living down south. We had a we had a striker that that's still one of our highest goal scorers in the Premier League. I think he might be our second highest goal scorer in the Premier League. I loved him as a kid growing up. Adrian Littlejohn. Was underrated by United fans quite a lot. He was really, really fast. I think did he win some sort of televised event where all players he got to the final near the Rumble of Sprint. Did jo- was Challenge. that one by John Williams? The John Williams, the, yeah, the former yeah. boosty from Coventry, Swansea. Yeah, that were it, weren't it? Yeah. Um, if you don't know him, he, he had rather a racist kind of connotation song sung about him on the terraces when uh, when you could probably get away with stuff like that in the early nineties, but. You maybe wouldn't do nowadays, but he was he was a good footballer as well. He was probably better than he was given credit for, and he scored quite a lot of good goals for United as well. In it, those, yeah. playing alongside Brian Dean up front, and uh, Dean got obviously a lot of the plaudits and rightfully so because he was as good as what he was. And, and Little John probably didn't get as much as he should have done. So um, yeah, I think it, it, it's a player that takes me back to a time that I really enjoyed watching United, and a player that I, I've got fond memories of. So I wanted to put Ad Little John forward. I, remember, I think he's. I've got a feeling. I think his debut was against Southampton at home. I think we. I think we lost the game, but it was really random because he'd, he'd been a trialist the week before. He'd been released by Warsaw. We took him on trial, and he basically had a trial with us, signed a contract, and then started a top-flight game against Southampton uh, the week after. Yeah. Just, I mean, you imagine that now. You, you imagine a, a Premier League club. Taking someone on trial who's just been released by a third division club and then going, yeah, you've done all right, get yourself in, son. Um, yeah, he did. He scored, you know, he scored, scored a belter against Liverpool, you know, a 20, mm-hmm. 25 yarder against Liverpool. Yeah, he did. He scored some good goals for us. Like you say, yeah. he was rapid as well. Not a, he's got a fantastic middle name. Go on. Sylvester. 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 Adrian Sylvester Little John. What a lad. Do we all remember it? I see. I was I wasn't around until like his. I started going in his last season, and he wasn't as good then. Uh, before he went to Plymouth, but Warnock brought him back, didn't he, for three games? Yeah, he did. Yeah, I think Warnock had him. At, I think Warnock had him at two or three places, didn't he? Well, I presume he would have had him at Plymouth, and then looking at the timeline, he would have been at Bury with him. <laughs> um, and then after all, so he went to put. Port Vale, Lincoln, Russian and Diamonds, Mansfield, Leek, and then finished up at Retford. But yeah, so how many goals? If you got that up, how many goals did he score for us, John? 
In his first spell, you can never fully trust Wikipedia. He's got 12 goals in 72. But the fact that, like you say, a lot of those came in the actual top flight. And off the bench, it's bizarre he never played for other clubs. So his only real top flight experience was playing with us yeah. at probably 21, 22. Um, you know, and you think if players scored Premier League goals now, they'd probably find another Premier League club, especially with yeah. the raw pace he got as well. Yeah. Mm. I, I seem to remember as well as he pace, he had a quite a, and maybe it's just some, a trick of the mind, but I'm sure he had a quite a distinct running style as well as he sprinted, very much chest out. Yeah, he did. It's just something that yeah, yeah. in my mind. Like Michael Johnson's sort of running style, very much chest forward. And, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm fairly sure, I'm, I'm pr- someone will probably correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure he's still behind Brian Dean, our highest goal scorer in the Premier League. Gosh. Which is Rich. a record, really, isn't it? I mean, we haven't had that many seasons in the Premier League, but no. it's not that, really. Phenomenal. I like to say... Is he a physio now? I'm sure he's a physio somewhere, isn't he? He's somewhere local. He's, I think he's still in Sheffield. Is he? Mm, I think so, yeah. I'm sure. I can't remember. It might have been Josh, my eldest, when he were doing football in the community at United. He asked me if I remembered this guy called A.D. Little John because he was something to do with the club at the time. I'm, I'm okay. sure he's still local. Well, if anyone knows A.D., um, send him our way. We'd love to have a chat with him. I'm sure he's got plenty of interesting stories from that period. Obviously, we've interviewed quite a few of his team, um, his teammates and stuff. But yeah, Aidy Little John. So we've got a good little lineup there. Chris Morgan's overhead kick from me. Ian, what was yours again? Uh, Macca and his dad's hat. And Dan, um, Paul Eiffel's missus's face when he was having a fight in, on the radio. I mean, that's going to be hard. Don't exactly trip off the top. <laughs> get that into a poll on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Paul Eiffel's misses his face when he's having a fight. Uh, he's, the story is definitely better than the, uh, the name. <laughs> the title. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm only thinking how I can abbreviate it for the voting poll on Twitter. <laughs> Miss, I just have to put Mrs Eiffel's face. <laughs> Yeah. Um is he'll score a goal, little John, little John, little John. Yeah. Well, boys got a bit fed up and frustrated in the first part, had a good laugh in the second and some good Hall of Fame nominations. Let's hope we do win at Blackburn and then let's take a much needed break from the Blades and hopefully we can have a good advent as we count down to Christmas. A few players come back, hopefully Berger comes back get a decent run of results, and who knows what will happen. It can count down to Christmas. I can only hope it doesn't involve Gary Sinclair. I hope he just sticks to count down to kick-off. <laughs> Gary, like... Sinclair, Gary Sinclair-themed advent calendar. Oh, God. <laughs> get that in club shop. I mean, we've sold worse, as we've taught. Like, you, get, you get very all different, different remixes of the Gaz Band song. <laughs> no, we can kick off. The, we can kick off the month with the sort of Hispanic one to celebrate the sign of signing of Oliviera McBurney and Ricardo <laughs> Brustario, um, and then go through to like a whistles and chimes version and you know, audio calendar. We'll work on those, but 
That's the guy. If anyone's still listening, I apologise about the eclectic ending to this pod. <laughs> yeah, if you've not gone already, we're going <coughs> to love you and leave you now. But very much, uh, as always, boys, an absolute pleasure. And we'll end, as we always do, with one big up the blades. Up the blades. Up the blades, indeed. <laughs>